0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: What is Chalkboard Chat? It's an MPB education podcast. It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from online Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. I'm Jermaine Flood. Hello, Coach Charlie. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm doing good today. I'm doing good. I'm ready to learn. Every time I sit in front of you, I already know I'm going to learn something. Great. So today I am ready to learn about... Because we're talking about diesel versus gas. This is going to be a competition, folks. Now, <laughs> our email address for questions is auto at MPB dot org. OK, coach, I've got it already. So I looked up motor fuel and this is what it says. And I'm going to need you to break it down, of course. A motor fuel is a fuel that is used to provide power to the motor in motor vehicles. Currently, the majority of motor vehicles worldwide are powered by gasoline or diesel. And other energy sources could include ethanol, biodiesel, propane, compressed natural gas, electric batteries, hydrogen. um, And there are also cars that use a hybrid of different power sources. But today, we're going to focus on diesel versus gas. This is a um, tag tag match, Uh, a ring, a ring match between the two. (laughs) This is a ring match. But diesel fuel, also called diesel oil, is any liquid fuel specifically designated for use in a diesel engine and auto gas or liquefied petroleum gas is used as a fuel in in internal combustion engines in vehicles. So coach break all that down for me and who wins. So
0: <laughs> Well, in the United States what you had, you had diesel trucks and diesel trucks were the 18 wheelers that were running down the highway most of the time. That's what used diesel in the United States. Right. In Europe all vehicles, 90 I'd say 99% of the vehicles are Diesel. It doesn't matter if it's the smallest car to the largest truck. Yeah. They're diesel. Here in America, we started making diesel cars and it really didn't catch on a lot. And the reason why it didn't catch on a lot is because All the diesel engines, the injector systems were all mechanical, and you could hear that clicking sound and that rumbling sound of the engine when you pulled up to a red light or anything else. Right. And so people really didn't want to buy a whole bunch of diesel vehicles as cars. So as technology changed, they decided, well, let's put injector electric injectors in diesels just like they do cars, Mm -hmm. and now the noise disappeared. Right. And so now they're about the same in noise, and people are really picking up on the diesel. Now, on the pickup trucks, F 150s, uh, if you think about 250s, 350s, Chevrolet, bigger, three quarter tons and one tons, they were all diesel. Now, you're wondering why the cars are not diesel like they are in the European. Well, guess what? Here, the I don't
1: know how you knew I was going to ask that. I think you could read it on my face.
0: <laughs> so, here you think <laughs> about the diesel. Diesel fuel right now is about a dollar and a nickel, a dollar and a dime higher in the United States. Right. Well, if you went to the European, gasoline is higher. Okay. Okay. So, everybody was dr- diesel. Now, diesel was always said to get better fuel mileage. And they do. Mm -hmm. If you think about diesel and gasoline engines, most gasoline engines are naturally aspirated. And most diesels are turbo. Uh, That means that they got some kind of, when I say natural aspirated, that means that the air comes in. It's not forced into the vehicle. Okay. When you use a turbo or a supercharger, it's no longer natural. That means now you're pushing air in. Yeah. And more air we can get into a vehicle, and diesel takes more air, better the fuel, better the power. Right. So that's one of those things you're looking at according to how that vehicle is. If you think about right now, gasoline vehicles are being turbocharged. Okay. That means you can get as much power out of a six cylinder gasoline engine as you could an eight cylinder. Okay. Well, mostly all diesels are. Turbocharged because once again, you need all that air. Because once again, if you think about diesel and gas, diesel itself ignites by hot air. Mm-hmm. Gasoline has to have some type of ignition system, some type of spark to ignite the fuel. Okay. Where diesel does not. Okay. Diesel is just, and diesel is a higher compression engine. And so by getting a higher compression engine, that means it's a hotter engine. It it runs hotter due to Mm -hmm. it has to have that compression Mm -hmm. in order to ignite the fuel. Because all they do is spray the fuel in it and it catches fire. Yeah. Well, on gasoline, they spray the fuel. It has to be a very fine mist as well. And it has to be ignited with a spark plug or some type of ignition system. Right. So –
1: In the beginning of time, no. (laughs) When they decided on the Europe versus the US version, Europe using diesel, US using gas, I guess Europeans were okay with the noise at the time.
0: Well it was all mechanical you gotta understand who invented diesel. It was Rudolf Diesel was his name, and he was from Germany. Coach, teach me. (laughs) He was from Germany, and it was in conjunction with Mercedes-Benz. Wow. And that is where one of your first diesel vehicles came from.
1: Wow. So whose last name was Gas? No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that one.
1: (laughs) Never knew. Rudolf
0: Diesel. Right. That was his name. And that's where we got diesel from. That's right. Well, you know, in the United States, diesel fuel was a aftermath of refining gas. Okay. Matter of fact, it was a trash fuel because we didn't use it a whole bunch. Wow. Much. It was used on uh, maybe uh, old tractors in the farming community and stuff like that, and then the old, the old 18-wheelers, but that's all it was used for. Now, we use it every day.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's not trash anymore. Yes. Now we're, we're, we're tapping <laughs> lines for it. <laughs> now
0: we, we really need it now. Very expensive. We yes.
1: really need it now. So, in your explanation, I'm 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 taking that diesel gets better gas mileage than gas itself, though.
0: Right. Okay. Because once again, you have a higher compression engine. You have more power from the diesel engine, and that diesel engine will last longer because of the way it's made, it has to be it has to be built stronger. Well, if you think about going back to Chevrolet and Oldsmobile, mm-hmm. they got the wise idea. A Chevrolet had a 350 engine in it, and they were going to make. A diesel engine out of that 350 engine, gasoline. Right. It didn't last. Yeah. Because it wasn't as strong. Okay? Yeah. Okay. So they had, so they scrapped that. And now today you got the Duramax, you got, uh, the 6.6, you got the three liters, you got the 2.8 liters. You got all these different size diesel engines. And I'll give you another thing that people probably don't understand. Uh, Ford had a diesel engine out there, a 7.3 liter Engine. Mm -hmm. I was probably the best Ford engine out there, the best diesel engine out there. But every couple of years, they change diesel engines due to the emissions.
1: Okay. That's where I was going to go, but not now. But yeah, Yeah. I was going to go there. But
0: due to the emissions, they change the years and the models of those engines. To keep up with it mm-hmm. because the government keeps changing the yeah. regulations on the emission systems.
1: Yeah. So I was going to ask, why are we all not still on diesel if it gets the best gas mileage? But that's
0: all due to emissions. Emissions. Because okay. they had to change them every couple of years. That's they, cool. They did away with the 7.3 liter engine that was the best engine out there that was in a Ford truck. Right. And it was in an international truck. Right. And they did away with it due to they had to rechange it. To the missions, if you think about it, uh, the vehicles, the gasoline and the diesel engines have a lot of the same sensors on them now. They Uh have uh, EGR valves on them. They have like catalytic converters. Catalytic converter is on a gas, a particulate filter is on a diesel, right? uh, Doing the same thing, you know, burning the soot. If uh, I don't know how many times you've ridden down the highway and you saw a big eighteen wheeler driving down the road and you saw this black smoke coming out, right? Well, you don't see that anymore. Because yeah. that's because of the EGR and the particulates in the emission systems.
1: So they've even changed those on the 18-wheelers as well? Oh, yes. All of it. Wow. So when it comes down to Europe, are they under the same emission regulations as we are?
0: Uh, the engine itself is, yes. Okay. The It's the smog, it's the EPA, in order to get rid of the emission systems. All vehicles have uh, EGR valves, and those are exhaust uh, gas. EGR. Yeah, exhaust gas recirculating valves, uh-huh. they have that on. And a lot of people don't know what those are neither, but uh, what those are used for is to cool the engine so they don't make a different gas. Right. So when you get into different things on how a diesel engine runs in a gas, they run almost the same, but they got a few different parts.
1: Right. You're a plethora of information when it comes down <laughs> on. I could just pick your brain all day. I could, Coach. Well, thank you. If you'd like to pick Coach's brain. If you've got a question, send your emails to auto at mpbonline.org. Hey, we're talking about diesel versus gas. It's a knockout round. We're going to see who wins. Is your car under recall? I'll tell you how you can find out next. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Coach Charlie Melton. I'm Jermaine Flood. If you want even more AutoCorrect, find our podcast on all podcast platforms for your smart device. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with the replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Or well, here are some recent recalls. Ram is recalling roughly 68,800 of its 15 1,500 light-duty and 2,500 heavy-duty pickups over a faulty backup camera, which may not display an image when the truck is in reverse. Effective pickups include model year 2021 to 2023, 1,500s, and model year 2023, 2,500s. The issue is with the trailer reverse steering control module, which may prevent the rear-view image from appearing when the vehicle is in reverse. This can reduce the driver's visibility and increase the risk of a crash. To resolve the issue, dealers will update the trailer reverse steering control module for free. Owner notification letters will be sent March 31st, but those with further questions can contact Ram parent automaker Stellantis. Tesla's habit of using owners as beta testers has been called out in a new recall, affecting more than 362,000 that's almost half a million cars, vehicles across its entire lineup. The recall concerns the safety of the full self-driving feature, a Level Two semi-autonomous driving assist system. Um, coach, before I read the rest of this, there was an an, an incident um, where a Tesla ran into a a fire truck, supposedly. Off of this It it did not end well It did end in a fatality But um, it was part of I guess this recall But effective vehicles Include model year 2016 to 2023 Model S sedans And model X SUVs Model year 2017 to 2023 Model 3 sedans And model year 2020 to 2023 Model Y SUVs All equipped with FSD beta software Or pending installation FSD beta may not allow The vehicle to act unsafe. around intersections. NHTSA offered examples including driving straight through an intersection in a turn-only lane, entering an intersection with stop signs and not coming to a complete stop, and entering an intersection during a steady yellow traffic signal without due caution. Additionally, the system may not respond sufficiently to changes in posted speed limits or adequately account for the driver's inputs to exceed posted speed limits. All such examples increase the risk of a crash, though Tesla now they didn't agree with the NHTSA's analysis. It's following through with a fix, though,
0: for free um, over the air update. Well, you think about uh, autonomous driving once again, that these vehicles, even the cars that we have today with the technology of lane change technology and all of these have to deal with software in the computer and it's running off a satellite from high above us and if it can't read the road, just the markers on the road, and it can't read the speed limit signs, that's a lot uh, all of that is put in the computers.
1: That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot to, to have to figure out and for it to have to that's right. figure out. The automaker will begin notifying owners April fifteenth and those with further questions. Can call Tesla. There, there's a lot of them out there on the road that I see, so. It is. <laughs> Make sure y'all are safe out there. The last recall we've got, Ram is once again recalling some of its latest 2,500 and 3,500 heavy-duty pickup trucks in an effort to stamp out a fire risk related to an electrical connector. Those trucks include model year 2021 to 2023 Ram 2,500s and 3,500 HD pickups, as well as 3,500s, 4,500s, and um, 5,500 chassis cabs. Am I saying that right? Chassis cabs. Chassis cabs. Equipped with Cummins, 6.7 liter turbo diesel engines and previous generation heater grid relays. Ram parent Stellanis conducted an investigation and discovered the intake heater grid relays on certain trucks may exhibit overheating, which could lead to a fire. This isn't the first time Ram has issued the recall. More than 131,000 trucks were were previously recalled in October of 2021, and the problem was first uncovered that March in a population of more than 19,000 trucks. The company said it is aware of six such potentially related fires, but no related accidents or injuries. To resolve the issue, dealers will replace the electrical connector for free. But until then, owners are advised not to park indoors. <laughs> Don't park inside.
0: <laughs> well, if you think about the first <laughs> thing on that recall, if you know what a heater grid is, a heater grid on any diesel engine is that the air has to be hot in order to ignite like the fuel. Yeah. So what they do, they heat the air up. It's preheating the air so when the compression comes up, now the air is good and hot when they push the fuel in there. Yeah. So the heater grid, all that does is heat the cylinder air going in there. That was right on target for our subject today. <laughs> right on <it>. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was thinking about, Jermaine, uh, you are talking about why we do not have a lot of gas, uh, diesel cars. Well, you know, Volkswagen almost did the car industry of diesel in. Because what happened, Volkswagen had a massive, I would say, cover-up on their emission systems. Mm-hmm. And they were getting gas mileage, but they were doing it illegally. They had a yeah. software inside the computer that was changed and it wasn't what they told the government. Oh. And people got fired. People went to prison. And Whoa. Volkswagen had to pay billions of dollars due to that software problem. Whoa. That they knew about. Goodness gracious. Well. And that was on their diesel engines.
1: That was on the diesel engines. Yes. Well, that's what we're talking about today. Listen, if it comes down to that Ram um, to resolve the issues, they are asking you, again, not to park indoors. And a notification letter will be sent in March, but those with further questions can call Stellanus. You can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website and inputting your VIN or find their Safer Car app. We'll have all of that in our podcast description. But we're talking about diesel versus gas And we're also taking your vehicle repair questions, whatever they may be. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. Okay, coach, let's get into an email here. I'm I'm, going to try to break this one down. (laughs) The subject is battery technology. This is coming from Don. He says, I was listening to a recent episode of your program while, of all things, I was filling up my truck. The subject was battery technology, and specifically, it covered the changing of batteries on a long trip rather than charging them. I listened to the host of the show, which is you, um, and he's saying that you kind of, I guess, denigrated or denigrated the concept. I, I said that twice the same way by comparing the swap out to changing the battery in a gas powered vehicle. I believe the reasoning went something like this. This is in quotes, Coach. So this is you. If it takes them an hour to change out the battery in my vehicle, end quote, he says this is so disingenuous. If it wasn't maddening, it would be funny. My 2017 Silverado truck battery took over an hour to change because wait for it, its location It's packed in a corner of the engine compartment and a support strut over it has to be removed to change it. Do you really think that future cars with this technology will place their batteries in such out-of-the-way locations? Or will they perhaps standardize the format and put them in locations that are easy to access and change out in less than 15 minutes? Now, he's saying now by 2029, a third of the vehicles on the road will be electric. And he said, despite your criticisms of the current state of that technology, I would certainly like to hear the conversation with your future self-coach when that milestone rolls around.
0: Well, I'm thinking that he may miss his conception of what we were talking about may be wrong, because, first of all, you're not going to change out an EV battery while you're on a long trip. You're going to charge it because EV batteries take a while to change out because they're part of the body of the car. (laughs)
1: So he thought you had said change it instead of charge
0: it. Right. right. First of all, you cannot take it out. It has to go to a shop, okay? Now, if you're thinking about just regular batteries, uh, it's according where that battery is. It could be under the seat. It could be in the trunk. It could be under the hood. Uh, If you're not a mechanic, it may take you an hour to change a battery. But if you have the know-how and you're a technician, it doesn't take long to change battery, why do you think auto parts stores do it right all the time? Right, you know, and those kids are not trained to do batteries, yeah. yeah, you know. So maybe the cons, uh, what he was thinking and what I was thinking are two different things on this. But in 2029, if we all have electric vehicles, I may have a different uh outlook, outlook on that. Well, he's asking you to. To put yourself in your future self. <laughs> well, my future self, I don't see
1: myself there yet. Okay. Okay. Coach is a realist about this now, but we do like that email and we thank you, Don, for sharing that with us and giving us a little conversation That's it on that subject there. Okay. We'll go into another email. So this one <clears throat> subject is windshield. And they're saying, thank you so much for an interesting and informative auto show. I drove for 30 years in Kentucky without having a cracked windshield. I've been driving in Mississippi for 20 years and have replaced four windshields. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Both of our cars currently have cracks, so two or more replacements are in our near future. I have driven in many other states, and I don't recall having things hit and damage the windshield. Only Mississippi. and Mississippi, it is about six or eight times a year something will impact the windshield and crack the glass. The latest impact was about a week ago when the glass cracked in concentric arcs around about the size of a half dollar. Two cracks about three inches long radiate from that impact. All the damage is below the passenger wiper, so I don't think I need to rush to replace the windshield. I tried to find the number of windshield replacements by state, but I didn't get any meaningful search results. He's trying to figure it out now. Is there some factor that that contributes to broken windshields in Mississippi, or is it coincidental? Bad luck for me. I do see quite a few other
0: cars with broken windshields. Well, if you think about the windshield problems in Mississippi, uh, you got trucks riding around without tarps on them and rocks are flying off. You got a flatbeds riding around with a uh, uh, bulldozers and uh, back holes with mud all over them rocks flying out and hitting you got potholes well, uh, why not
1: Kentucky though coach why not Kentucky
0: well <laughs> I have to look at it this way here maybe you are just a coincidence that it happens to you but it's happened to me as well yeah especially if you got a brand new vehicle or you just put a new windshield it's like in. a little magnet it's a little magnet those rocks just <laughs> no matter where just come off the side of the road and just run into your window coach I it.
1: wouldn't dare say the word that I, I say when and I hear one and then I just start, <laughs> you start, I just
0: start looking. looking. <laughs> you start looking. Well, I like I say, it probably looking. happens uh, all in the other states as well. But sometimes we just notice it more because we're in Mississippi.
1: Right, right, right. And he notices it more because nothing like that happened to him That's in Kentucky. Right. <laughs> Joe, we thank you so much for your email. Our email address where you can send questions and we will answer them just like we did now is auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about diesel versus gas between your car repair questions. What's in the news? Which car brands connect with women? I wanted to know more about that. I'll tell you more about it next. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician and Retired Instructor. He's a teacher, y'all, from Clinton High School's Automotive Technology Program, is our expert host. I'm Jermaine Flood. I hope you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to our show on the MPB Public Media app, you can click the support button and make a contribution. Contributions help keep our programs on the air for you and others to enjoy. And we thank you for your contribution to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Well, in the news, which car brands connect with women Um, Let's see. Among the 25 brands in the United States, Buick ranked the highest in 2022 of women's personal new vehicle registrations, followed by Mitsubishi, Mini, Lexus, Infiniti, Mazda and Kia. One, two. I've, bought, I've purchased two off of that list. In terms of total volumes of personal vehicles registered to women in 2022, Toyota clearly ranked above all other brands. Now, on the flip side, Ram placed the lowest, followed by GMC, Ford, Tesla, and Dodge. So here's how it kind of stacks up brands with the highest female buyer representation Buick 55%, Mitsubishi, following that, Mini, Lexus, Infiniti, Mazda, Kia. Brands with the lowest female buyer representation, Ram, GMC, Ford, Tesla, and Dodge. And they're asking why the importance of attracting the female audience. For one thing, women make up more than half the population, according to the most recent U.S. Census, and influence the vast majority of vehicle purchases. Additionally, women buyers consistently show more brand loyalty than men on average. 4% points more likely to stick with the same brand according to the S&P Global Mobility. So that's pretty cool. I did off the top, on the top of ones I had two of those brands and then I was gifted one of those at the lower That's it. <laughs> end of it. Um, but yeah, we'll include a link to this story in our show's podcast description. We're talking about diesel versus gas. Email your questions to auto at mpbonline.org. We're going to go straight to the phone lines. We've got Richard in Madison. He's got an oil change 2002 Toyota Tacoma question. Richard, you are on with Coach Charlie.
2: Hey, Coach. uh. Yes, I've got this 2002 Toyota Tacoma that's, let's see, 21 years old this this, time, this, this year, I believe. Anyway, um, I've been retired for 10 or 11 years here, and I don't drive the truck that much, maybe just once a week. And I think the oil change on it is supposed to be every 3,000 miles. It takes me about two years to put 3,000 miles on the truck. So uh, it's one of those trucks that just won't quit, you know. But uh, I was just wondering, you know, at what point would you you recommend changing the oil if you don't drive the truck that much?
0: Yeah, what I would do on that is just make sure you check that oil for condensation because, once again, there's water in the air and water will condense down in that oil and just make sure you don't have any water in it and crank it up every now and then. And like I say, I would change it probably once a year just to change it, make sure I got all the water out of the system because that water right, was set right. on top of that oil, and then, right. you know, that runs through the engine.
2: Okay. And, and I think I know why the women pick that Buick, because I believe Tom Cruise does that ad on TV. And <laughs> <Yes.
0: laughs> That's why they picked that Buick, that Correct. For sure.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> And you can always tell by your oil as well. Take your oil cap off, and if you got any white, um, greasy-looking uh, chemical on the top of it, you know you got water down in there. Hmm. All right. Well look, I appreciate you. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, bye Richard, bye. for calling us. That was that was pretty funny.
1: Yeah. We we buy Buick because of Tom Cruise. No. <laughs> Maybe Diesel versus gas is what we are talking about. Coach, you had mentioned um a word that's had the word glow in it. What does that have to do with the diesel side?
0: Well, I think a lot of people get confused what a glow plug is and a spark plug. A glow plug is used to, just like that heater grid on that Cummins, it is used to preheat the air going into that engine. Mm -hmm. Okay. On a diesel engine, most of the time you have those glow plugs where they're in, in individual cylinders, And here the heater grid just goes all across the whole thing for the air. Okay. Okay. And all it does is preheats that air, gets it good and hot, where when you put that fuel in there, it ignites right off. Right. Right. And then so you understand that a diesel engine has no spark plugs at all. So, uh, they get sometimes they'll get confused with the glow plug and the spark plug, mm-hmm. but it, it does not have spark plugs, it doesn't have spark plugs.
1: No. Well, that takes that change out because that's right. quite expensive. Um, <laughs>
0: that but makes now sense. Now, a diesel <laughs> engine is uh higher to maintain, okay, even though they last longer, it's they're higher to maintain because uh, a lot of the parts are bigger, you know, by yeah. being bigger, that means that it's going to cost a little bit more. So, uh, there's gives and takes. Now, a lot of times you say, well, why would I want a diesel car? Well, if you think about the teenagers love diesel trucks, and a lot of the families now like diesel cars because they're just as luxury. They did away with the noise. It's just like a regular gasoline vehicle. Yeah, yeah. And you get better fuel mileage. Yeah,
1: but they still may cost more?
0: A diesel engine will cost probably about 15 to 20% more. Uh, And price
1: by the end of our discussion today at the end of the show, I'm going to have a clear winner. I promise you. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to have a clear winner. So let's talk about the types of
0: diesel engines coach. What are those? Well you got uh Cummins makes one. Uh the Duramax is always that's a General Motors uh diesel engine. And uh-huh. they, like I said they started that way back with the Oldsmobile when they tried to change the three fifty to a diesel. Uh but you have the Duramax, you have the Cummins, you have the Power Stroke, okay, and then you have the Ford. Now Ford took that seven point three, now it's like a six point seven, you know, so they're different uh All engines are rated in liters, so you may have a 2.8 liter or a 3.0 liter, you know, so all engines are in liters now Mm -hmm. instead of cubic inches. But the thing is, if you have a little four-cylinder, they're going to put a turbo on it, okay, and that's going to make it more power just like they do the gasoline cars. So— it's just according to what type of car that engine's in, uh, who makes it. Cause Mercedes is going to make their own engine. Yeah. You know, and so they have their own diesel and, um, the E350s, those were uh, diesel engines. Uh, those were a type of car that Mercedes had and they still have one today that is diesel. Okay. And BMW has one. Audi has one. Most all manufacturers have a diesel engine. Y'all you know, really haven't seen many diesel engines in Toyotas though. Okay. In my uh, looking around, I see a lot of them in the higher luxury cars. Yeah. But haven't really seen a lot of them in the Toyotas or Nissans. Yeah.
1: Would there be a pro to possibly having a diesel run vehicle and a gas run vehicle at the same time? <laughs> in your garage?
0: Well, it's just the uh, the pros are if a diesel engine, they're going to last uh, <laughs> a lot longer. If you think about these eighteen wheelers that are on the highway, a diesel engine on those don't have to be re- re- rebuilt for five hundred, six hundred thousand miles. Okay, that's that's a long time yeah. for an engine. Most yeah. gasoline engines in our cars today 100, are hundred thousand one hundred, hundred and fifty thousand miles. It's time for a new one. But here, diesels. 200, 300, 400,000 miles. Right. You know, so they're just built stronger because of the high compression. A diesel engine may have 17 to 1 to 25 to 1 compression, where a gasoline engine is 8 to 1 to most like the highest, is going to be 11 to 1 compression ratio. Right. And that's how big the cylinder is to the piston coming up. So there's a lot of difference of how those engines are made. Okay. You know they got uh, the diesel engine systems have a strong cooling system on it because once again they produce more heat than a gasoline. Mm -hmm. Uh, So once again you're paying for the mileage. You're going to get a better gas mileage, but the engine's going to last longer. And most of the time the engines outlast the car. Yeah, in diesels. Yes, in diesels. In diesel engines. Yes.
1: Okay. Well, you get your you get you get your your long run car in a diesel, and then you get your cute one.
0: <laughs> yeah with well, a lot of these little cars real small cars they can't put a diesel in in them because they are so big
1: yeah yeah because the know. engine itself right. is so big well we're talking about diesel versus gas your topic doesn't have to be diesel versus engine I mean diesel versus engine we'll take all your engine questions but it doesn't have to be diesel versus gas it can be anything um and if you'd like to email that question you can email it to auto at mpbonline.org coach we're gonna go over for another email this one needs advice I bought a 2020 Ford Explorer in August of 2020, a new vehicle. Approximately one year later, I have transmission trouble. The dealership I purchased my vehicle from had no technician to work on the vehicle. They tried to persuade me to trade my vehicle in for the same year and model that I had. I had to have my vehicle towed to a dealership for repairs at my own expense. Just two and a half weeks ago, I had to put my vehicle back in the shop with transmission trouble again. Even though my vehicle is still under warranty, I have never been able to get a loaner for the time it was in the shop. The first time I was out of a ride for two months, I had to pay for a ride back and forth to work. Same thing this time. What advice can you give me on the matter sign, Claudine?
0: First of all, all dealerships, uh, in order for them to perform warranty work, they had to have a technician that is certified to do that warranty work, regardless. Yeah. Okay. Matter of fact, they cannot even work on it unless they have a certified technician. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't have to be the one working on it, but they had to have a certified technician in that dealership. For the warranty work. Right. Okay. If that transmission went bad and it was still under warranty, they're liable to get that fixed somewhere mm-hmm. and they should be able to loan you a car. Mm-hmm. And that way, in order to loan you that car, you're going to go back through the sales manager. And talk to the service manager and see what you could do what type of report did you have when you bought that car right right, you know, but I would really call the uh, I'd call the manufacturer their uh, hotline and talk to the manufacturers itself and If you wanted to buy the car back, you can go through arbitration and if you're not satisfied, they can go have some uh, arbitration and buy that car back right coach
1: Now, when it comes down to a warranty though. She said she was out of a ride for two months. I know
0: me. I'm gonna be like, Where's the loaner? That's where you call the uh hotline of the manufacturer, not the dealer. But if it's GM or Ford, whoever it may be, just right. call the look in the owner's manual book. They will have a phone number in the back of that book to call when you have customer's relationships uh, that you call the customer relations department.
1: Okay. Okay. Because I'm not going to be out of a... I understand. (laughs) You got to get back and forth to work. I got a little mad when I read that. I'm not going to be out of a ride for two months. Claudine, I hope that advice helps and we thank you so much for your email. We're going to get to our phone lines in just a second. I do see that we have a caller on hold. We're discussing diesel versus gas and taking your repair questions. You can send an email to Auto at MPBonline.org. We've got a new car review from Casey Williams coming up and coach's tip of the week. This is Autocorrect on MPB Think Radio. Here's a new car review from Casey Williams.
3: It's Auto Casey on Autocorrect. This past weekend my family and I had a little four-hour interstate drive, and turns out we had the perfect car for it. It's a 2023 Toyota Camry hybrid. Now camrys get the reputation of being a little bit boring. But I think this generation of Camry looks pretty good from the outside. I like the nose, it's got a little bit of a Formula 1 race car feel to it. It's got the wide horizontal slats down, down below like a race car. But there's also a dignity to the rear roofline that really connects it to upscale luxury cars. Inside, the feeling is more Lexus than Toyota. You know, The dash is kind of swervy and curvy, but it's got wood grain and stitch coverings. you got leather, heated and ventilated front seats. you got a heated leather-wrapped steering wheel, JBL audio system, and wireless phone charging. I think it feels very nice inside. Also, the full array of crash avoidance systems, a head-up display, lane keep assist, lane tracing assist, and automatic emergency braking. But underneath the body is the hybrid system. It's a 2.5 liter four-cylinder engine connected with batteries to deliver 208 horsepower and 44 miles per gallon in the city, 47 highway. So a lot of car, but let's talk about the price. Camry starts just over $28,000. This one all in, $40,232. See the full video on his YouTube channel, Auto Casey and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB
1: Think Radio YouTube channel. This is AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from autocorrect.mpbonline.org. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Stay tuned after the show at 11 a.m. It's Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And I am Jermaine Flood and our expert. Host is, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to chop up your name, coach. <laughs> Let's do that again. Our expert host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC certified master technician. He is a master tech. And it's time for Coach Charlie's tip of the week.
0: Well, since we're talking about gas and diesel, it's going to be up to you as the consumer to decide which is best for you, a gas or a diesel. What are you looking for? Longevity? Are you looking for mileage? Think about when you go to buy a vehicle. What you're looking for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. Coach,
0: gas or diesel? Well, I drive two gas. Four, I got four vehicles they are all gas. Okay. Well, that wins in your household. That wins in my household.
1: So I have made up my mind diesel, but I don't even have a diesel car, nor was I shopping for one. But you made it sound real good. It is good. You made it sound like it, it'll last forever and the engine's strong and I don't know how cute they're going to be, but...
0: I mean, well, you'll be limited of what type of vehicles you can buy due to the diesel engine. Yeah. Because, like I say, some manufacturers are not really heavy on diesel. Some manufacturers are.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, I think we found no winner. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go back to the phone lines. We've got Roe and Jackson. Roe, you are on with Coach Charlie Melton. Hey, good
4: morning. Good morning. Good morning. i got a question. I've got a question. Um, I've got a 20... 2008 uh, Nissan Frontier, standard shift. And I was just wondering, do, do you necessarily have to change the clutch if the clutch is going all the way down to the floor, or can it be adjusted?
0: Well, that's a hydraulic clutch in that uh, vehicle there. By being a hydraulic clutch, that means it has a slave cylinder on the side of that <laughs> transmission or inside that bell housing, and there's usually not no way to adjust it. You know, okay, so you're if, it, if it was mechanical, they would have a cable coming from the uh, clutch down to the transmission. I would look in there and see if it was, but I'm thinking that one is hydraulic. Okay. Hey, I get one more quick question. Can
4: I ask you?
0: Yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead. Rob. Hey, look, I
4: also get a 20 2008 Chevy Nissan, I'm sorry, a 2008 Chevy um Simulato. and 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 it leaks water. You know, from like we I guess the little port where the water comes out from the air conditioning, but it's just always leaking. It leaks a lot of water, but it doesn't overheat. But sometimes I can look at the um uh, the temperature gauge, and it it does go over a little bit, but it doesn't it doesn't
0: overheat. Okay, so it's leaking water out of the coolant jug. You can see the coolant jug going down, right. Okay, so that means that you have a leak, either maybe you have a slow radiator leak, or you could have a heater hose leaking, or you could even have a heater cords according to where that water is coming from. The best thing to do there is go ahead and get somebody to take to a shop and pressure test the coolant system, and when they pressure test the coolant system, they can find that leak. But that uh, if that thing's overheating, you need to be very careful because it will go up to 260 right off on you. Hey, thanks a lot, okay? You're so welcome.
1: Thank, thank you so much, Ro, for your call. We're going to stay on the phone lines. We've got Jesse and Raymond. Jesse, you are on the line with Coach Charlie.
4: We have a Toyota FJ Cruiser. I think it's the last year they made them, like 2007 or something like that. Anyway, during an ice storm a couple of years ago, uh, we'll put it in four-wheel drive, okay? Well, we hadn't been able to get it out of four-wheel drive, and it's been there, what, Probably over a year, eighteen months. I just want to know we we need to take it in to get it out of four wheel drive. But in the meantime, what's going on? Is there any damage being done or what?
0: Well, if it's is it in four wheel high or four wheel low? Oh God. <laughs> okay, four wheel. Let me explain the difference. Four wheel low okay. is means that the vehicle shouldn't be driven say fifteen twenty miles an hour on in the mud. Four-wheel high, you can drive it on the highway, and it's really not going to damage it. You need to go about 55 or 60 miles an hour. It's not going to really damage on four-wheel high. That means that the gears are changing a higher uh, – you're not getting exactly overdrive, but the gears are driving at a higher speed. So there's, if, it's according which one it's stuck in, but you would know, notice if it was stuck in four-wheel low because it would whine real loud.
4: Yeah, it must be four-wheel high. So you're saying that it probably wouldn't do any damage at all, huh?
0: No, it probably wouldn't do any damage, but I'd go and get it taken uh, and seen about because most likely either the motor in the back of that transmission where it transferred into four-wheel drive is stuck, okay, most likely that's what it is. All right. Well, thank you so very
4: much. My mind is resting now. Okay,
0: thank you. <laughs> Jesse, thank
1: you so much for your call and thanks coach for resting your mind. <laughs> coach, before we get out of here, um I've got a question. So, I've got an RPM question and it may just be in my imagination. I was driving my car today. I've got a 2016 Mazda CX3 and when it got up to like 60 miles per hour, I I'm a former uh stick shift driver. So I'm noticing my RPMs are just sitting at two.
0: Shouldn't they drop lower? Well, it's according... Okay, once again, according... I just talked to him about going in overdrive. Yeah, Overdrive is where your engine is... And transmission is like one-to-one or a little less than one. Yeah. You no, know, And that means that you're in the highest gear that engine can go and that transmission can go in. And a lot of times, when the transmission itself is to where it is with regulate with the engine Mm -hmm. you'll see the RPMs drop to about on yours probably 15 to 1800 RPMs okay it's not going to go below 1000 RPMs because the vehicle idles about 800 RPMs right so it's probably going to be somewhere in between 15 and 1800 RPMs okay and if you're close to 2000 that's you're okay. Because I'm just hear it. I can hear it kind of running a little, a little high. high, yeah. Okay. So what do you want to do? Get out on the freeway, drive it one time and see when you get to 70 miles an hour, does the RPM drop, drop, and then see if there's a check engine light. Is there a check engine light on that vehicle?
1: Well, it is on, but that's because I'm due for my maintenance, but okay. that's only oil change maintenance. So
0: yeah, well, check engine light don't come off for of that. That just says maintenance due. Okay. Check engine light's going to come on if there's something, if it finds something wrong with the transmission. And you could have, if you're scared about it, take it somewhere, let them put the transmission on it, make sure they have a, a scan tool that will read the transmission codes. Okay. Because it could be slipping or it could be a solenoid not changing out. Right. So what I do is get on the highway, drive it, and see what the RPMs does because okay. you can see it drop. Well, I'll do that at lunch today. Now, what kind of vehicle is it? Mazda. What CX-3 2016. Okay well you know the C- the CVTs do not they stay at the same RPMs Okay
1: Okay, maybe I'm just freaking out, but thanks, Coach. (laughs) That'll wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. Our crew engineer is Java Chapman. Call screener is Kevin Farrell. For Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician, I'm Jermaine Flood. Thanks for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.